We're going to continue our series this evening, which I'm so excited to speak on. Uh, last week, uh, Brother Manny spoke an awesome message on the importance of unity. The importance of unity, we entitled this, we titled this sermon series, United. How many know it's important, amen, to, to be uh, one, amen, to, to have unity with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, amen? It's important. It's vital. That's why the Bible uh, uh, calls us the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are not to function separately, but we are to work as one. The importance of unity he spoke on last week, and tonight we're going to be looking at how to protect the unity. Book of Psalm. Turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 133. Psalm, chapter 133, verse 1, is our series text. And it says this, and it says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in a unity. Say, it is good. Say, it is pleasant. When God's people... Live together in unity. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. Because if you don't believe that, then what good is it for ourselves? What does it do? You have to take God's word as it says and how God sees us when we work together. How God views you and I how pleased he is when he sees his children, amen, getting along. Isn't it a blessing to see your children getting along? All right, the rest of you just don't care. I love it when my kids get along. I don't want to see my kids fighting. It makes me, it, it makes me so happy when my, when, my, when my kids give each other gifts. Oh, man, that pleases my heart. It makes me so proud when they think of each other, not in a bad way, but in a good way. And this is, I believe, how God views you and I. When he sees us working together, when he sees us getting along, it pleases him. We did a series uh, late in late 2020, uh, entitled the Fruit of the Spirit series. How many of you remember that series, the Fruit of the Spirit? We learned that Jesus Christ is the vine, and you and I are the vine branches. And we, we understand that if a branch is disconnected from the vine that it's not going to produce. Do we agree? Yes. If you see a branch all by itself on your lawn, it has broken off from the tree, that branch will not produce. Instead, that branch, sadly, is going to wither and die. And the same thing takes place in our lives, as the Bible says. That, that is why it is so vital for us to stay connected and the Bible says that when we stay connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ, 
that we will certainly produce fruit. I know that each of us wants to remain in this fruit-bearing process, but we need to understand that we have an adversary. There is someone who wants nothing more than for us to disconnect ourselves from the vine and do things our way. You say, I got this. I had, I had enough training. I had enough vitamins. Now I can do everything on my own. And the enemy would want us to believe that. The enemy would want us to do that. But how many know that it doesn't matter how mature you are in Christ, if you disconnect yourself from the vine, you will not produce. And as the Bible says, you will surely die. You see, our adversary, he himself has chosen to disconnect. Because of this decision, he surely faces death. He does not want to be alone. I titled this message this evening, Pest Control. <laughs> Some of you were thinking of things that you need to do around the house, huh? Man, I got, that's right, I have these, these bugs that I got to take care of. I think everyone is familiar with this. You see, pests come in many different shapes and sizes, don't they? You got ants. I, someone, someone told us that where we live, it, 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 it's kind of like if our, if our homes were built upon ant hills. And I believe them. If the kids, you know, we have, you know, two toddlers. Those toddlers like to leave food out. And it, it doesn't take very long for those ants to sniff out whatever food they left on the floor and, and have this whole trail within our house. You think of ants, you think of, you, think of, uh, 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 you know, uh, roaches. Ah. You think of fleas. You think of flies. You think of mosquitoes. You think of, uh, uh, you know, you think of, 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 of mice and rats. Ugh. You think of snakes, gophers, possums, coyotes, people. <laughs> and the list goes on. So many pests <laughs> that we have to, that we have to uh, deal with. One of those pests that I'm sure many of us are familiar with is termites. We know that termites can do much damage to a home. As they eat the wood within the walls, uh, weakening the structure. I remember getting a phone call from my wife. I was at work and she called me and said, Babe, we have these, we have a, a, a swarm of, of insects in the house. And I was like, all right, all right, what do they look like? And, you know, I had her take a picture. And I get home from work, and lo and behold, it's hundreds and hundreds of termites. 
in the house. And at this time, you know, we were, we were renting that house, so it was easy to just call the landlord and say, hey, you got a problem. <laughs> By the way, if you're taking notes, Windex kills termites. All right, that's good for your notes tonight. Windex kills termites. It really does. We learned that from the termite guy, and it actually worked. You see, one, one termite can do very little damage. Very little damage. See, but the thing is, is that they don't travel alone. They travel in great numbers. I read that a small colony of about 60,000 termites, that's a small colony, <laughs> can eat one foot of a two-by-four in about six months. Check this out. However, a large colony of about three million can eat one foot of a two-by-four in just 48 hours. So you see how one can do very little damage, but the issue is, is that they don't travel by themselves. They travel in great numbers. And they, they, they attack and destroy in great numbers. And this is, the way, this is the way the enemy works in our life. He doesn't just send one to take us out. He sends a great number to destroy us, to consume. With the purpose of destroying unity within the body of Christ, which is you and I. But I love what the Lord says to Moses here in Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy 20 in verse 1, the Lord says this to Moses. And God says, when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, he says, do not be afraid. Somebody say, why? He says, because the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. Oh, man, someone say, thank you, Jesus. Verse 4 says, he will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. See, you need to remember that, that it doesn't matter the size of the attack. It doesn't matter how many are against you. That's good. That was like a repeat right there. I was like, did I say that again? <laughs> Can't be going there. <laughs> like a ventriloquist, huh? Take that show on the road. <laughs> See, it doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter how large the enemy is. It doesn't matter how many, how many in number. God is always greater. Amen. He's always greater. And so he tells Moses, don't be afraid, Moses, because I am with you. And if I'm with you, that's all that matters. That's all you need to know. You see, we need to understand that God does not want his children to be contaminated 
by the thinking and the ways of this world. He doesn't. Paul uses the analogy of utensils in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. And he says this. He says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. He says, the expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. And he says this in verse, in verse 21. He says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. He says, your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. And this is what God desires for you and I, is to, is to keep our lives pure, to not be contaminated, as I said, by the thinking of the world to not be contaminated by the ways of the world. It doesn't matter what you see on, on, on TV, on social media, and what so-and-so is doing, and what so-and-so just bought, and what so-and-so is wearing. Don't focus on the things of the world, because God has set you aside for special purpose. He has set you aside for special use. You are not like the world. You are not. You have been set apart. See, he seeks for his children to remain pure. And how do we do that? You remain in him. You stay connected. Don't disconnect from the vine. If you stay connected, you are one with Jesus Christ. And the Father will give you everything that you need. See, we must guard our lives with the power of the Word of God. We need to seek to protect that which we have worked so hard for. The fruit that we have borne in our lives. Our children, our grandchildren, our marriages, our purity, our joy, peace, your love for others. All these things that have been cultivated. All these things that have been watered over the years. These, these, these seeds that are now you bear fruit in your life. We need to protect those things. You see, the, the, enemy, the enemy seeks to plant seeds of discord. You see, he seeks to consume the fruit that you have borne through Christ. And in turn, he wants to plant these seeds. 
You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you ever had a, you know, like a fruit tree in your backyard. And you know those pests love fruits, don't they? Those rats love to eat fruit. And you got you to gotta keep these pests away from what you are, from what you, from what you seek to enjoy. You planted that tree with the hope and desire of being able to reap from that tree. That wasn't for the pest. That was for you. That was for your family to enjoy. Maybe, you know, you know those that, 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 that you, you know, wanted to bless. You know, maybe you have an avocado tree. Oh, man, that sounds good. That's for you. But what happens, you have to deal with the pest. See, what do these seeds of discord cause? It causes unrest. These seeds of discord. That, and we're talking about unity. Protecting unity. These seeds of discord seek to demolish and destroy unity. And what they do is they cause unrest in individuals. It causes confusion, doesn't it? Seeds of discord, don't they? It causes anger. It causes rebellion. It causes jealousy. And as we nurture these seeds in our lives by lending an ear, through gossip, they begin to take root in our lives. So how can we protect ourselves from these attacks? What are some safeguards? You see, we're talking about protecting unity. Number one, write this down. Number one is don't entertain it. So you don't have to subject yourself to these seeds of discord in your life. You can walk away. I'm sorry, but I, there's something that I need to do. There were times uh, in my life where I spent, I spent too long listening to, to individuals talk about someone else. And at the time, I was thinking in my head, well, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to cut them off. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. But now, now I've learned that, that when, I, when, I, uh, uh, when I sat there and, and, and listened to that, that it messed me up. It messed me up after. And I realized that I should have walked away. I realized that I, that I should have not subjected myself to those kinds of seeds of discord in my life. I found myself asking myself, why didn't I just walk away? Why didn't I just say that I had something to do? I'm not lying in saying that. There's a lot of things that I have to do. And one of them is not listening to this. 
See, it taught me a valuable lesson that I need to better protect what I allow others to speak in my life. You may not realize it at the time, and you may think like I did, and, and you may think, well, I don't want to be rude. But you have to understand what it's doing to you and I. You have to understand that you don't have to subject yourself to those kinds of seeds in your life to take root. Jesus even taught the disciples in Mark 4.24, and he says, be careful what you listen to. Proverbs 4.23, Solomon writes this, and he says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. And this is what you and I are doing. We are protecting ourselves. It's just like if someone were physically assaulting you. Would you just sit there and take it? Would you not defend yourself? It's no different. When someone speaks these words of discord over your life and into your ears, the damage, the damage uh, is, is beginning in your life. The unrest, the anger, the rebellion, the confusion, all these things that you don't realize that the enemy is trying to use to divide you. This is exactly what happens in our lives. I've been through many situations. See, we must be mindful of the strategies of the enemy. We need not to entertain it. Number two is put away the gasoline. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Don't add fuel to the fire. <laughs> put away the gasoline. One of the many things that I love about my wife is that she doesn't add fuel to the fire. And believe me, there's been many fires coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I thank God for my wife, and you should too. <laughs> I'm glad you got that one. She always seeks to calm others down. I see this in her. It's always, it's always her intent to calm situations down. I never see her, you know, carrying a, a can of gasoline to, you know, to someone who, who is griping about something. She never does that. She's taught me a lot in this area. And believe me, I'm still a work in progress. Solomon writes this in Proverbs 26, 20. And he says this, he says, quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Mm. That's a good word. You need to underline that one, Just tear it out of your Bible, put it on your forehead. <laughs> Quarrels disappear when gossip stops. 
Do you want to, do you want to, let me ask you this question. Do you want to end feuds in your life? Well, some of you want to keep them. Do you want to end feuds in your life? Of course. Then stop talking about it to other people. Mm. That's a good word. There's things that have taken place in my life. There's offenses that have taken place even here in church that only my wife knows about in my life. Only my wife knows about and my pastor. That's it. That's it. My kids don't know. No one knows besides my wife and my pastor. Why? Because if I start blurting out things that have taken place, what good does that do for you? I've just destroyed you. I've probably taken people out of church by saying those things. What do you got to do? You got to give it to God. You got to give it to God. Because let me tell you right now, those things that I have not voiced to anyone, God has taken care of. God has taken care of those things. And you know what's even, you know what's even greater? Is that those relationships have been mended. Oh, man. That's awesome. I don't know if that doesn't excite you guys, but it excites me, and that's all that matters. It excites me. Because I know, I know where I was in my life. I know, I know what I wanted to do. And I saw God repair the situation. I saw him fix that relationship. I watched it with my very own eyes just by keeping quiet. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, Paul says these words, and he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You see, we need to be careful. You know, we can find ourselves telling our family and friends about all the things that so-and-so did to you. But what good does that do? You might get over it, but does your family get over it? How is that godly? And then we talk about the things that others may have done to us, and then the very next day, we do that same thing to someone else. God help us. God help us, each and every one of us, speaking to myself first. We're not perfect. No one on this earth is walking on water. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> but at the same time, we must not make excuses for the wrongs that we commit or for the people that we offend. Instead, we need to ask for forgiveness and allow God to help us to change. That's what God desires for us to do. Not to sit there and say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. 
and then just go on and do the same thing over and over again. No, God wants us to change. God wants us to repent. What does repent mean? What does repent mean? Someone, come on. To turn, to turn from your sin. That means to go the opposite direction. Solomon says this in Proverbs 15, verse 18. And he says, I like this. He says, a hothead stirs up a fight. How many hotheads did we have in, do we have in here before Christ? <laughs> I know God has changed you. A hothead stirs up a fight, but one who holds his temper calms disputes. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Calmate. <laughs> Calm down. You see, calmness will lay great offenses to rest. They will. They will. How can, how can, someone, how can someone continue to talk about you and hate you if, if you say nothing to them in return? How can they keep lashing out at you if you just keep praying for them? At some point in time, it's going to change. Somewhere down that road, as you, as you stay focused on God and you allow God to fight your battles, amen, God is going to bring peace. He's going to bring peace in your life. Once again, we're talking about protecting unity. Put away that gasoline. The next time, the next time someone starts bringing up what so-and-so did, put that gasoline away. Don't add fuel to the fire. Instead, you calm that person down. Well, maybe they didn't mean it this way. Maybe you misunderstood them. This is what my wife does with me. <laughs> and it works. I'm here to tell you, it works. <laughs> Lastly here is that we need to be a peacemaker. Man, God has so much that he wants to bestow upon you and I, so much. And I'm not, I'm not talking material things here. So many spiritual blessings that he has for you and I. We just need to be in the right position to receive him. <laughs> you, you need to be there when he's, when he's gonna give it to you. You can't be over there or over there. You gotta be right there where he wants you to be. God wants us to be a peacemaker. Romans 12, verse 18. Paul writes these words and he says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You got to understand Paul's words here and how he uses them because Paul understands that there's some individuals who are just, just want to argue. There's some people who you're not going to quite get along with. 
But he says this, he says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. So you need to ask yourself the question, I need to ask myself this question, am I working diligently at keeping peace with others? Am I? Am I doing all that I possibly can to live at peace with those around me? And if you answer it honestly, then the next thing you're going to be asking is God to help you in certain areas, because we know what areas we need help in. And God is so faithful, he's going to help you. So you can protect the unity with peace. Psalm 119, verse 165, says this. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let me read that again. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You see, we need to ask God to help us to not be so easily offended. All of us are guilty of letting little things offend us. Every single one of us is. Someone could do the slightest thing and we get offended. Someone could not say hi to you, and you get offended. They said hi to everyone else. Why didn't they say hi to me? They saw me. They knew I was there. I put my hand out, too, for a handshake. They walked right by me. Okay, two can play that game. And we go off. We go on this tangent. And we have, we have no clue that they, maybe, maybe they were, you know, they honestly didn't see you. Maybe they had so much on their mind that they were not even focused. They were just walking maybe, maybe you know, to their chair. They had, a, they had a rough day. You don't know what took place. But automatically, we jump to conclusions in our lives. We do this all the time as humans. We think things that are really not. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. The enemy is trying to sow seeds of discord in your life. Don't let him do that. It's a lie from the enemy. They don't really, they don't really you know, dislike you. It was a different circumstance. You, you, you know, they just didn't see you. They were focused on something else. Don't let the enemy lie to you. We can't allow these seeds of discord to enter our mind and our heart. We can't do it. You can't. You got to protect yourself from those seeds taking root in your life. The Bible says that we as Christ's followers, we need to be slow to speak. 
What does that mean? That means take a breather. Take a break. Before you say something that you can't take back. Solomon writes in Proverbs 15, verse 1, and he says this, he says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but hard words stir up anger. He also writes this in Proverbs 16, 24, and he says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to speak kindness. Tell your other neighbor, I'm going to speak kindness. Why? Because it's like that sweet honey. It's sweet honey. If any of you have, have you, know, uh, uh, you know, if any of you enjoy, you know, honey, you know, like I do, I could just eat it straight from the bottle. It's good stuff. They say, it's, they say it's, you know, got everything that you need. It's so healthy for you. And that's the way kind words are. But the opposite is true as well. That those harsh words can cut. They can damage. They can destroy. And so we as, as Christ followers need to choose our words carefully. We need to, as well as, as choosing what goes into your ears. You need to be careful the words that you speak to others. Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 9. And he says, God blesses those who work for peace. Man. Right there. God blesses those who work for peace. He says, for they will be called the children of God. There's many things that separate the, separate the children of God from the world. One of them is being a peacemaker. You stand out when you're a peacemaker. Others notice when you're always trying to diffuse the situation. When you're always trying to bring a, a, a calmness to the feud. When you don't bring gasoline, you bring a fire extinguisher. People notice something different about you. You're not always stirring the pot. Like everyone else does, we shouldn't see that in the church. There's no room in the, in the body of Christ for pot stirrers. That's not a job. There's no openings for that position because it doesn't even exist. <laughs> God wants us to be peacemakers. There's openings left and right for that. <laughs> Always hiring. For peacemakers. Romans 
Paul says these words, and he says, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Pursue them. You say, well, I can't, I can't make peace with everyone. I know. There's some, there's some, there's some individuals, like I mentioned before, that, that, that you're, just, you're just, they just don't want to make peace. But Paul says this, he says, let us pursue things which make for peace. What is he saying? He's saying, you can't change so-and-so, but you can change yourself. You can't control what so-and-so does, but you can control what you do. You can't control how they're going to react, but you can control how you react. Pursue the things that make for peace. Proverbs 16, 7, Solomon says this. He says, when a man's ways please the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. This is what I'm talking about, church. You don't have to be so concerned about how it's going to happen. You don't have to focus on how long you've been trying to keep the peace. Give it to God. Give it to God. Maybe you haven't fully surrendered it to God. Maybe you're still trying to, trying to hold on just a little bit so you can have some kind of control over them. Give it to God. Let him handle it. You be a peacemaker and let God do the rest. As the worship team comes forward this evening, Ephesians 2, verse 14, Paul says these words, and he says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Says he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated you and I. He says he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Oh, man. You see, Christ brought unity to this earth when he died for you and I. When he gave his life, he brought unity. You say, how? I'm glad you asked. Because he died for all. He died for each and every one of us. And you know what that allows? That allows each and every one of us to be part of the same family of Christ. Church, that's unity. Christ did that. Christ did that for you and I. We could only experience unity right now in 2022 because Christ established it. You could only 
experience unity in the house of the Lord, in your life, in your marriage, in your family. If you stay connected to the vine. If you're not, then you will experience division and you will experience death. But God wishes that none would perish. He desires that none would perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. And to experience unity in the body of Christ, to be in the family of Christ, to experience salvation. He offers it to everyone. There's no excuses. If you say it's not for me, you chose to make it not for you. You chose that. God didn't choose that for your life. You chose it. Today, choose the family of Christ. If you're watching this evening, choose the family of Christ. Choose it. Because then and only then will you experience in your life true unity. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Let's give God praise this evening. Let's give him praise. Oh, he's worthy. Oh, he's worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking the chains of sin. For giving us unity, Lord. We are one. We are one in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.